Hello and welcome to the Meet the Expert series of the Talking Logs with Logsuit podcast. I am your host, Adi Balogun, and this episode is produced by Savage Media. In today's episode, we are joined by Natural Nigerian, who is one of Nigeria's foremost product manufacturers geared towards natural hair. A chemist with over a decade long experience in manufacturing industry, uh, producing hair care, skin care, and baby care ranges. Today, we will debunk myths and terminologies around chemical and natural hair care products that are mostly used for marketing. We would also find out if these products actually work for our hair. Is there any such thing as a miracle product? Well, this conversation promises to be rich and you know what? Let's get into it. Hi, Natural Nigerian. Welcome to the Meet the Experts um, series of the Talking Lock Lock Teeth podcast. It's a very big pleasure to have you on. And um, you'll be talking to us today mainly about products because you're a product manufacturer. But please, can you go ahead and introduce yourself so that our listeners get to know you? Hi. So I own a brand called Natural Nigerian. And uh, we've been making products since... I'd like to say we've been in business since 2010, but we've actually really been making products since 2016 for the Nigerian market. Um, we have hair care products, skin care products, and a baby care range that we're very proud of in the Nigerian market. And thank you so much for having me, Adi. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, I think um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy you are here, and I'm happy I'm getting to speak to you about this because I have a lot of questions. But products are one of the, I won't want to say the most controversial but the most sought after things when it comes to hair especially when you're looking at keeping your hair natural with the whole natural movement that we have these days and um everybody wants their hair to grow everybody wants their hair to shine look sleek they want their follicles to produce multiple hair growths and people often seek to um turn to products to answer all their questions so um first uh, let's talk about natural and chemical products. Since the name of your brand is Natural Nigerian, is your product 100% naturally produced? Oh, that is a really good question, and I'm proud to say no. Um, and the reason I'm proud to say no is because, first of all, I'm a chemist. I, I, I guess I didn't mention that at the beginning. I have a BSc in chemistry. And I understand the nature of what we call chemicals and how useful they are. So when we say natural Nigerian, we have always stated that our products are made from natural ingredients, naturally derived ingredients, because there's a difference, and then also for, uh, made with safe synthetics. So safe synthetics that um, either have like EcoCert certification or Cosmos certification or are in compliance with those um, certifications. So when we say chemical and natural, I know that you know what this means, um, but we always try to educate people that everything around us is a chemical. The air we breathe, the water we drink, water is two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, for instance, and that is a chemical. There's almost nothing on this earth that you cannot write a chemical formula for. So the claim that a product is all natural is wrong and really points to 
either mischief on the part of the person that is doing the marketing or a level of ignorance that hopefully will be corrected um, as time goes on. Uh, yes, gets to customers. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, I know this podcast is primarily targeted towards people who have locked hair. And however, I have spoken to a trichologist, um, a nutritionist, and a psychologist before our podcast that we're having now. And some of the things we've learned from those discussions are that hair is hair on the on the basis. Because as a loctician, I oftentimes get a, now that I'm locking my hair, what products should I use? Because there's almost an assumption that you've made a switch and whatever you were using for your naturally, your natural, loose natural hair may not apply to locked hair. So as a product manufacturer, do you have a view on products that should be used in your natural hair, relaxed hair versus something that you should use in your locked hair? Again, a really good question. So my understanding, and I think some of this came from a conversation you and I had a few years ago. I don't know if you remember. Um, I wanted to understand that as well because we've got a lot of questions around that. And my understanding is because of the nature of how hair is locked, um, products can actually go into the hair and remain there, build up there, and even weaken the hair to the extent that it will break off from um, break off and then you'll be able to see through the diameter of the lock the, the build up that has settled there. So what um, the advice um, we received was was that people that have locked hair need to use things that are I guess in formulating we'll call them low residue and things that can be washed out easily. So anything that will prevent them from having build up on their hair is very much um, encouraged since their hair is not in its um, free state. Okay. All right. I think that's awesome. I think the way I usually try and break it down to my clients, because I only do, I, I don't like shortcuts. So I don't lock relaxed hair, for instance. I'll tell you, chop off the relaxer, allow your natural hair grow and then start your locks, you know, I really don't do lock extensions, although the money is very attractive, so maybe I'll start to <laughs> reconsider. So I, I usually work off people who have kept their hair natural for at least a year before choosing to um, lock their hair. So my simple um, analysis or my simple explanation is that if the product is closer to water in consistency, the likelihood you can wash it out from your hair is much higher. So just stay away from very thick products and products that would flake like gels that would flake and all of that. So I'm happy that we have uh, clearer insights on what that is. Um, well, I think this question I did ask the, the trichologist and I would like to get your view on it. There are products which I have even fallen into the trap myself. I know, I don't know if you remember this conversation, there was a product that I got off the internet that was advertised to grow your hair miraculously. And I actually got the product and I started using the product for myself. I did not notice any tangible difference in my own hair personally. And, but I felt like I've never really had any hair issues. I have moderately um, dense hair, you know, so I, I couldn't see, I didn't, I didn't have maybe thin edges that maybe the product now brought, my, brought, my, brought back my edges. 
But I sold the product as advertised online. And I was literally like an agent to this other party. Um, is there any such thing as a miracle product that will grow your hair instantly? Oh, I think that you've answered the question already. Uh, but let me answer also. <laughs> uh, first of all, anything that has the word miracle in it is, uh, is it's not... I would run away from anything that has a miracle in it because it's it's marketing speak. It's not scientific speak. When we talk about growing hair, it can be a long process. For a lot of people that have experienced hair loss, they didn't experience that hair loss necessarily overnight. And then to buy something that, uh, um, that has a marketing claim that it will instantly or miraculously grow your hair just doesn't follow science. It's possible to grow back hair and it's possible to have products that will help in the growth process, but that you can rely on the product to grow your hair all by itself without changing hair practices or anything. That's a really tall order for any product. And if there was any product like that out there, people like L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, the people that have the big guarantee budgets would have put it out many years ago. Why haven't they? They're not trying to, I mean, or, or even the small businesses that think that they can make these marketing claims, which frankly should be illegal and is, and is illegal in, in certain parts of the world. Um, so even with them, they haven't hit upon that success that they keep claiming that the, the product will have. Because if they had, then they won't be small anymore. They'll be large. They will get so much money that their companies will automatically become massive. The owners will sell off to bigger firms and go and live in the, in the Bahamas or something, you know, with uh, a drink in their hand every single day, lying by the beach. But nobody is doing that. How, how is that possible when you have a miracle on your hands? Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense because I'm like, if anybody has the real solution, hmm, maybe we would all be, that person would, would, would never have to, walk a, a day or even lift a finger in their lives. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing with the, the, the false locks that you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most good, once you tell people, people react positively to, to things like that. Once you tell them that this product is going to do something miraculously, miraculous for you, they, they tend to go for it. But what happens after a while is that they don't see the effect that you promised, and then all those customers go away. You know, and then they get this enfranchise, you might lose your reputation as a business. It's really not the, the, the right thing to do. But that said, there are products that can help. Mm -hmm. They cannot help in isolation. You may have to look at your hair practices. You have to get to the root cause of your hair loss because it's different for different people. For some people, it's because they are consuming too much protein, for instance. For some people, they are just bad at taking care of their hair, maybe they're not moisturizing the hair well enough or something. Different reasons. You get to the root cause of yours, deal with that root cause, and then with the help of some topical applications, you might be able to reverse hair loss or see greater hair growth. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Awesome response. Okay, products, as we clearly already have established, is a big, big um, part of hair care because you really can't stay product-free. 
like you know you at least have to wash your hair and when you do wash your hair we do know that you kind of have to condition your hair and all of that however in my experience so far as a loctician i have noticed that not all products are suitable for all clients people have allergies and i have experienced this firsthand you use a product for 10 people and one person comes back with dry scaly itchy scalp usually the jack reaction to that is to look for another product to solve that problem of that itchy scalp that that person has so how does how how can anybody out there just kind of realize and understand that they may be reacting to what what should be the thing that comes to your mind that makes you feel like oh let me check what i'm using let me understand my allergies and how can one go about that when it comes to products okay so um that is a question that i think a dermatologist or a trichologist can deal with a bit more mm-hmm. or, or a bit but i will say this even for skincare products we ask people to do patch tests if you suspect that you have sensitive skin, for instance, I don't do patch testing because my skin is not sensitive. However, my skin can get sensitized on ingredients at any time. Mm-hmm. If that ever should happen and I feel like my product is, is causing a problem, I will start doing patch tests. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to products, a lot of times are things that you react to. You have to react to it to know that you react to it. You just don't know instinctively that this will be bad for you. People have been known to react to aloe vera, which uh, which a lot of people benefit from. For every sample size in a study, for instance, in a scientific study, there will be outliers. For every, even the vaccinations that we're taking now, um, mm-hmm. there are people that react to it differently from um, most people. The majority will react to it. So the only way to know that you're reacting to something is to use the product first of all and then immediately stop. Once you are able to tie it to that product, you stop. And it could be because the way products are made, like emulsions, they are made with typically um, eight ingredients at, at least. Mm-hmm. Or let me say five ingredients at least. There's water, there's oil, there's an emulsifying agent. It can be a conditioning agent or whatever. There's a preservative. So it's difficult to narrow it down to the particular one. So what you could do is what you call a knockout experiment. You take a look at it. It's either you go to the dermatologist and then they'll do a test on your skin. You've been known to do an allergy test. Or if you are not able to do that, you can look at it and you can make a guess. This is not the recommended method, by the mm-hmm. way. You can just guess, or maybe it's the coconut oil, because I've been using products that have everything but coconut oil. Make an educated guess. Stop using coconut oil or use some other sort of oil and see whether your skin will come to light. If it doesn't, then perhaps it's not the coconut oil. Perhaps it's something else. But the best way to judge whether you're going to be allergic to something or not is really to go to a dermatologist. A friend of mine is actually, she found that she, when they did the test on her at the dermatologist's office, they found that she reacted to um, parabens, mm-hmm. which, and parabens are safe, please, let me just put it out there. I was coming uh, to that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she in particular 
was reacting to it. And this was like in the 90s, the 80s. You know, it was in the 90s. Sorry, I'm not old enough to know about the 80s. It was in the 90s. And at that time, we didn't have a lot of products that didn't have parents in it. So she was stuck using a, a small number of products for a long time. Hmm. Okay, alright. Um since you brought up parabens, let's have the paraben and sulfate free conversation right now. Um, you know, I've become so wary of the internet and considering that I've learned a lot from the internet, this is not to knock it down because there is useful information on the internet, but there's also information that is very misleading and damaging on the internet. So it's quite difficult to try to get to the to the bottom of who is telling you something that is useful. And I think that is the reason why I'm not sitting down on my high horse and saying everybody should do this and do that. And I'm actually trying to foster conversations with experts and people who have some scientific knowledge about, you know, the things that we do to ourselves daily. I am constantly amused at how many people put um, cameras in front of their faces. I think the latest one is the TikTok one. I haven't gotten yet on Gotten, gotten myself on TikTok yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and when you're like, you know, pointing to letters at the fr- top and the bottom and telling people, giving people tips, five tips on what to do and what not to do and, and, and all of that. But I'm like, eh, I wouldn't do that sometimes. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe that sounds reasonable. But I think one of the biggest things amongst people who are choosing to go natural is the push for people to use first all natural products and they tell you stay away from parabens Stay away from sulfates because those things will damage your hair. Um, let me have your take on that before I tell you my personal experience so that maybe some lockheads can benefit. Right. So um, the sulfate thing, uh, sulfate is, so the reason why formulators reduce sulfate is because it's a surfactant and it's, it might be a, a cheap but um, Effective. Quite effective surfactant, yes. Pretty much like mineral oil, which I'll come to as well. And sulfates in themselves are not necessarily bad. Um, I think that the argument for not using sulfate is the production of, um, there's a chemical called, I, called, I think it's 1,4-dioxin or so, don't quote me, that may come as a reaction, you know, of... Mm-hmm. Um, using the sulfates, maybe it's giving off or something. I really can't remember now. It's been a while since I've had this sulfate conversation, many years in fact, because I think I've managed to educate those in my circle. But what sulfates do for you is that they provide a clarifying wash. So the build-up that we were talking about before, they are such an effective surfactant that they will wash out a lot of the build-up that usually stays in the hair. And um, a lot of natural people tend to use oils and butters. They tend to use quite a number of conditioners as well. And they moisturize their, their hair pretty often in between washes. If it is not properly washed out, if the hair is not clean, properly clean, then it cannot absorb more products. It cannot need to use a term which is not scientific, but I think people understand it. Um, it is very important to wash your hair properly. So even when you look at, for instance, our website and we have a free regimen there, we always state that you should make sure that in your regimen you are clarifying your hair. You're using a clarifying shampoo 
you have fine shampoos and you have moisturizing shampoos. The ones that won't strip your hair as much. Um, and then you have the, the clarifying ones. The clarifying ones tend to be made with sulfate. And it is okay to use them. The only thing is that you then follow up with a good deep conditioner and then go through the steps of using your leave-in conditioner and whatever it is that you need in order to restore the oils or that your hair has lost or restore the sebum on it. Not necessarily the sebum on your scalp, but just basically um, restore lubrication between the hair strands so mm -hmm. that your hair is not too dry. Because it can be drying, but even natural things like henna can be really drying when you use them in your hair. Um, so I think I've, I've addressed the one about the sulfates, sulfates, yes. Yeah, so parabens. Oh, parabens, for me, like I said, I'm a chemist and I tend to go with the science. This is not to say that anecdotal evidence is not important to me because I've had many, I come from a family of people that believe very deeply in plants and herbs and things like that and I've seen it work. However, science dies because there is nothing as powerful as calling people into a room or a study and testing them and then just taking the results and showing it to the world, you know, as representative of what happened, real life things that happened. So science is on the side of parabens. However, there's a all natural movements and parabens have fallen out of the natural community. So there is almost nothing I can say to anyone about the safety of parabens because they are very effective at, at keeping your emotions safe. But there's nothing I can say to people that are in the natural community about using parabens. Mm -hmm. And luckily, they don't have to use parabens anymore. There are several alternatives. Yes several, especially that have been um, formulated as a result of natural movement. So there's, there are preservatives in the market for everyone. But from time to time, the natural community falls out with one or the other. The <laughs> next the one that they are falling out with right now, the preservative they are falling out with, is called phenoxyethanol. Phen yeah, that's the one. Phenoxyethanol, which again is safe. In fact, they even carried out research on um, premature babies mm -hmm. and it was viewed as being safe but still the natural community doesn't want to have anything to do with it and the natural community is growing they have a loud voice mm -hmm. and they are drowning out the science the scientific mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. i guess it's yeah. um the result of cancel culture so once once they are cancelled they are cancelled it doesn't matter exactly. if you were in exactly. the right or not so I think yeah. we kind of need to be a little bit more open-minded and stick to the science and stick to the facts when we're trying to make these choices. I think it's yeah. very important. Um, Absolutely. The, the, the next thing I want to bring up, I personally feel is a little bit controversial and I really never like to talk about controversial stuff. I always like to keep myself out of the council culture. And, um, but I think it is important because even people who are choosing to be natural in terms of keeping their hair natural still rely on wigs a lot. And um, what has been fascinating, and it doesn't matter, one of the number one questions I get when people want to lock their hair is, will I still be able to wear my wig? You know, 
So this is why I'm bringing this up. And even though I personally haven't put any um, extension in my hair in almost 12 years of having locks, I've just been completely satisfied with all the hair I have. But I do have customers who want to do these things. And um, my concern or my fascination, let me put it more as a fascination, is watching videos, endless videos on Instagram and seeing that first you put a wig cap on and then you kind of glue it down to your forehead and then you use a hand dryer to dry it, you cut it out and then you stick it. It looks beautiful. Like I have no, I have no issue with how this thing comes out. It's an art on its own. But I constantly wonder what is happening between the wig cap, the glue and the heat application. Is this, is this even safe? Is this, is this for like, should we be doing this? Or am I, <laughs> is this okay? Is this okay? Or are we just destroying our follicles and our scalp? And what are there products that are safe to use in that way? It doesn't look right to me from the outside, but I don't know anything. I haven't put any wig on my head in, in, in 12 years. Okay. Uh, I'll give you one better. I have never worn a wig before in my life, my entire life. I've never owned one. I've never worn one. So I don't know a lot about wigs. But when I do see those things, I've seen um, the gluing and all of that. Um, what comes to mind is when you're choosing a protective style, because what a lot of people say is that this is a protective style, I'm protecting the hair underneath. You must always put your hair first. What you are protecting has to actually be protected. So anything that does not keep that your hair protected should not be done. And I don't see how exactly gluing your edges, even with a glue cap, glue, what they call the wig cap. cap, the wig cap on, yes, even with the wig cap on, I don't see how it's done. We talked about the style, which I'll go back to now, um, the four locks, mm -hmm. the four locks. And that style is the one that's, Really, I, I look at all the time and I'm thinking, is How? this right? <laughs> yes, because, I mean, you start with either uh, twisting or braiding the hair, hair, and then you cover it with something, mm -hmm. and it's just completely covered. That I did for many years. I did it for about um, two years when I newly went natural because I didn't know what to do with my hair. I'd gone natural in the country, and at the time, where people were not going natural. I'd had a baby and I was saying, I said to myself, I'm not going to go and sit under any dryers at all. And I didn't even really know that being natural just on its own was an option I could take. So I did that. And I did that for about two years, almost um, ongoing. It, it was constantly ongoing. As soon as I remove one, I wait like two or three weeks and then I put the next one on. What happened at the end of the day when I finally decided that I was going to wear my hair out was that my hair was very limp, extremely weak, and it was even thin. You know, I have dense hair, uh, what we call a full head of hair. I've always had that. And the, the, the four locks had made it so that, one, my hair was constantly dry because it was under something, um, completely put away, moisture couldn't reach it, and then it was weak as a result of just, it was basically being ignored. 
what I was, what people could see and what I could only take care of, maybe putting oil on it or so, was the, the um, what they call that, the hair, the mm-hmm. four locks. The, the, the extensions. Yes, the extensions. That was what I was taking care of. So mm-hmm. anything, a, a protective style is not for you to put your hair away to the extent that it is ignored. It's like putting Rapunzel in that uh, tar. Um, <laughs> yes, she was there. Yes, she was protected. But I'm sure that her mental health was a mess. If your hair was like, what would the hair's mental health be like if it's under all of that? So always, always, um, with whatever style it is, whether you're going to wear a wig cap, and I think that there's some some wigs that you can wear without a wig cap. I think. I believe so. Because I see some women just put it on and put it on. Yeah. I, I think those are, are better, you know. Maybe not necessarily the best. Yeah. Well, those can be protective styles. I, I almost but, feel like neither of us are qualified to have this conversation. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so I, I wanted to have an opinion because I've just been fascinated by it. And I'm like, I always look at the outcome it's so beautiful and very artistic and like, you know, it's a work of art. It's really a work of art. So, but my wonder is, you know, if you continue doing this, are you really going to have any edges left? And do you take this out every night? Because you not only matted your hair, you've put a cap on it, then you've put something else on it. Like your hair isn't breathing. So is this, I, I don't really know how it works. So, Maybe, maybe I should look for another avenue to find somebody who does that yeah, and yeah. give us some more insight. So I don't want to sound ignorant. That, oh, we, we can't afford to be any more ignorant on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave it alone. Um, yeah. Okay, so moving on. Now, most times I think there's a psychology that um, makes us think that when you're spending more money, you are getting more value. Um, I just kind of want to understand in choosing products, you know, when you enter a, a supermarket, there's often the feeling that the more, more the, the higher the price, the better the product. Um, is this a strategy to be able to choose products for your hair? And is really reading the back of a of, of the ingredients list the best strategy, or should we just go off recommendation? What has worked for other people? Um, I think the question is. What's the best way to try and find the right products for your hair? Uh, I would say that the best way is trial and error. And you can use certain criteria. For instance, um, not the... Hmm, let me see. So, for instance, people say 4A, 4B, 4C. If it works for someone with 4A hair, 4B hair, then it will work for you. I'm more interested in if your hair is colored and you know you know somebody else whose hair is colored and this product has worked for them. Uh, if your hair is dense, for instance, and this person has dense hair, it's worked for them. Um, if your hair is fine, you know, and this person with fine hair maybe has stopped using heavy butters like shea and things like that, and that has worked for them, then you try that. When it comes to pricing, pricing is not a good indication. Because you have some products that are really just pricey for no reason. And then you have some products that are well-priced but are expensive compared to those other ones. Mm-hmm. 
also, um, the cheap products, the so-called cheap products, because everything expensive, cheap, is all relative, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So the cheap products may actually also not be good, but may also be okay. It's just that the formulator is not pricing their cosmetics properly. And we've seen that a lot, actually, uh, in um, formulation. There, there were these two women, they were written about in the book, in the pricing book uh, of all things about how they, they ran a really successful empty shop. They were making soaps and all of that, and their soaps were nice and affordable and cheap, and people, people loved it and would buy it because it was so affordable. They were using good quality ingredients. The soaps were actually quite good. But these women were not making any sort of profit um, because they weren't pricing the soaps right. So it came out as being cheap, but they had to close their business after a few years, because we found that all the money, they, they just never, they were never able to make even much less make profits because they hadn't priced themselves well. So the price of goods will not be a really good indication. Also, on the formulation um, end, you can have one supplier selling you, um, let me mention something that we all know, glycerin, for instance. I'm just mentioning that mm-hmm. it's not necessary, not necessary that glycerin, um, this actually happens with glycerin. So the quality of one person's glycerin may not be up to the quality of the next person's glycerin. So you might be able to get glycerin for cheap, but the other person's glycerin is actually better quality, you know, and it's more expensive. So sometimes the raw materials that go into a formulation also determine the price. Mm-hmm. Some, although they have this, the exact same inky name, uh, is what we call it, the, the same. Um, so inky is I-N-C-I. Mm-hmm. It's an acronym for International Nomenclature for Cosmetic Ingredients. Yes. So it may have the exact same inky name, but the price from the different from suppliers will be different depending on their quality. And some people, some formulators will go with good quality. Oh, I did say that we're going to ma- mention mineral oil. Yes. And I think in the context of this particular response, I can mention mineral oil now. So mineral oil is actually a really good synthetic oil. It's unlike uh, our natural oils that, depending on the region it's grown in, depending on the, the whether pesticides were used or this or that, it may be good or, you know, good. Uh, I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> um, or it may be bad. You know, it, it may be, it, it may be um, mediocre. It may be fantastic. The profile, the chemical profile, depending on geographical location and so many other variables may be different. However, with mineral oil, mineral oil is mineral oil. Right. And it's synthetic and it is cheap, and it will do the work of lubrication. Right. So you, if you use mineral oil, you're getting a consistent result. If you use na- uh, a natural oil, you may not get the same result yeah. you know, from product to product. So this all goes back to how do you choose products? You have to try them from different manufacturers. Even when the manufacturer changes suppliers, a lot of manufacturers try to keep their suppliers stable. But if they have a need to change suppliers, even that can product, affect on the product. Yes, it can affect the product, the product that you've known and loved for many years, 
may just change slightly. So the only way you can truly know whether a product works for you is to use it. Awesome. Awesome. You can go off um you can go off referrals, recommendations. It's a good place to start. You know, but also go out there and be a, a bit um adventurous and try something new. Okay, so in terms of trying something new, I think that's a good um, segue into our next conversation, which is okay. the homemade products. <laughs> we do know that, you know, if you mix some banana with some avocado and olive oil from your kitchen and, you know, you put it in your hair with some eggs, <laughs> your hair could have a proper meal. This is, you know, um, seen a lot on, 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 on the internet. And um, I haven't really tried any of those actual foods in my own hair. I think mostly because it's locked. And I know that if I mess with avocado in my hair, it's not coming out. But, <laughs> but you know, let's try and speak to this homemade experiment. Um, are they effective? Is this something that we should be trying? Or should we just leave product manufacturing to the chemist? Or, you know, are there one or two things that I have experimented? I've been making my own um, coconut oil, at least. I did a heat press version. I did a cold press version. You know, it was a lot of work and it wasn't worthwhile. At the end of the day, I was just like, you know what, let me just buy coconut oil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what is your take on all the things that we are beginning to and I think I don't know if it's still people still say that but I know there was a time on the internet and I must have gotten on that bandwagon they tell you things like if you cannot pronounce it don't put it in your hair if you cannot oh. eat it don't put it in your hair you know as well as you can eat it then you can put it in your hair so yeah how 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 far should we go in this homemade <laughs> experiment okay first of all I think that um let's establish Two things. You can be value-driven or you can be activity-driven. And there are different kinds of people in this world. Some people are just really activity-driven people, which means that they have to find themselves um, involved in some activity or the other to think that things are working. So these are the people that now you will find in the kitchen, blending this and blending that. I have to admit that when I started as well, uh, um, experimenting with my natural. This was a long time before I ever thought I'd ever make product. I did blend the odd um, banana and sieve the odd avocado. Mm-hmm. But it's time, and I think that the natural community has grown from this was like in 20, maybe 2008 or so. The natural community has grown since that time. It's, it's almost uh, 12 years since that time. No, it's, it's more than 12 years. It's about 13 years since that time. Um, we now have all the products that we'll ever need. Part of the reason why a lot of people were doing that was because they didn't find products that they thought would work for them. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have also noticed that there are some bloggers that were very heavily into that, even when products are becoming available. They kept on pushing the DIY, and they have now gone on to make their own products, their own product ranges. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I'm not seeing them blending anything up anymore. <laughs> you know, that's how they made their names. You know, so even they have 
have moved on from that. There is very little value, I have to say, to doing things like that. There's a reason why we can, um, why there is a market for um, formulated products. So, for instance, um, things like conditioners. Very, I'm going to give two examples: conditioners and protein. So, conditioners for something to actually be called a conditioner, technically, it must contain a conditioning agent, and a conditioning agent is usually positively charged because that is part of the act of it's necessary for the act of conditioning hair. When you wash your hair, your hair has a negative charge. The, the shampoo imparts a negative charge. To soften your hair, your conditioner imparts a positive charge, and that is what softens your hair. So it, it's not available in a banana, it's not available in turmeric or whatever it is, an avocado, it's just not there. It's something that, it's a chemical, let's call, come out and call it what it is, the chemical. It can be natural, naturally derived. derived. Yes, but it is chemical. Then um, the second one is protein. People, people require protein treatments for their hair. And the reason why is because your hair is made of protein. Basically, it's a building block of your hair. And to strengthen it, protein is used, especially if you undergo a chemical treatment, like even coloring your hair. Um, you should use protein to kind of infuse strength back into your hair. Um, and protein works at a certain size. So if you crack an egg open and you place that on your hair, yes, eggs contain protein, so does meat. You might as well take meat out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but what's going to happen is there's nothing is going to be imparted to your hair. So the protein is just sitting there. However, the potent products that you find in hair care products, especially if they are hydrolyzed, are in the size that will actually be beneficial to the hair, that will impart that benefit that you're looking for, which is to strengthen the hair. So it's either you're placing eggs or um, a piece of beef on your hair, or you're using what will actually work on your hair. So... With those two, you, you see, I, I'm not a, a big fan of the, the whole DIY. I think it should be left. But if you want something nice and fun to do with your kids, by all means, go ahead. When you're done, wash it, wash out, it out. Use a <laughs> condition. If yeah. you're looking for an activity, you may as well. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. As well. uh, now, I'm, I'm going to bring up another product thing, which um, I think you personally asked me and educated me about this. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Um, it's very big for people. What is that term now? They tell you, oh my, how can I forget the term? There's an abbreviation for it where you moisturize with water, you seal the oh, hair with, yes, the LOC method, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, what does it mean again? The LOC, what does it stand for? So it's liquid, oil or butter, and then conditioner. Conditioner, right. Why do do the LCO or the LOC? Yeah. So um, basically, um, the meaning of that and what I personally have actually felt, because it makes sense, you know, when you get information from the internet, 
you actually do 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 try and mentally make a connection to why this thing makes sense. So when someone tells you, um, spray some water in your hair so that it, it gets some moisture and then you can seal it in with the oils, that makes sense because you know that if you even put water and oil in the bottle, um, the water sits at the bottom and the oil goes to the top. And, you know, you start to do that. But the thing is, um, can you really tell us, because that's almost like another homemade experiment, what is the benefit of mixing water and oil in one container and then spraying it into your hair and having that mixture sitting in your bathroom for one month where you are just continuously using it? Well, Hadi, thank you so much <laughs> for this opportunity <laughs> to talk about this. I'm so passionate about this because it makes me cringe every time I see it. Yeah, this is so important. And this can make or break hair care. It is a good practice to do the LOC method. You know, and yes, I, I realize that we're all busy and we just want to mix everything up and then spray it in our hair. But that is, you're basically calling for dermatitis, or itchy scalp, whatever it is, you're opening yourself up to infections if you have an open wound on your scalp or, or something. Water, if you're not using purified water, and I mean, the, the water that we use in formulation is not the water that you just get from your tap. Um, we, we use purified water. And even when we make the product, we put preservatives once there's water, once you've added water to your mix. And this is important because microbes love water. They love, 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 love it. They are prolific in water. So that means that they will enter your, maybe one goes in and multiplies. One or two go in and multiply and they invite their family, their friends, they birth their children and all of that because they love that medium. Then you add something like conditioners. Because what people do is they get a spray bottle, they put some oil in it, they put some conditioner in it. Let us start with the conditioner, then we move on to the oil. So with the conditioner, it contains things like, some of them might contain vitamins, uh, like panthenol. They might contain things that are sweet, like uh, glycerine, for instance. The microbes also like vitamins. In fact, it helps them grow. You know, so, yeah. So, once you have put water in your conditioner or you added conditioner to water, you already have microbes there which have not been preserved. There's a preservative system in the conditioner and that preservative system has been calculated carefully and a lot of times tested to make sure that that preservative system will preserve that conditioner, the amount of water that was used in formulating that conditioner. You then go and add more water. That preservative system is not going to work with the added water that you have put in. It's not going to work with the water that you have put in. What will happen is that you have dissolved the integrity of that preservative system. Yeah. Then you have oil. Oil goes rancid when it is exposed to water. Rancidity means that you are releasing... Uh, okay, let me use another word. It gets oxidized. And I'm going to use that word because a lot of us know the meaning of using an antioxidant. We don't want free radicals. We don't want oxidants just... Um, 
mm-hmm. roaming around because they do damage. They actually call it, I think it's called radical da- um, um, radical damage. I can't remember the term now. So we use antioxidants, like when we are out and we have been exposed to pollutants and things like that. A lot of people have it in their skincare regimen. When you're using, when you put oil and water, it's not just that they don't mix because they, they will separate. The, the water breaks down the integrity of the oil and it starts to go rancid and to release these things you know, which are not good for your skin. So what's a lot of your scalp? What a lot of people then find is, and you can't see that they're called microbes for a reason. You can't use your naked eyes to see them. It doesn't mean that they're not there and they're not multiplying. Once you start seeing it, it means that a lot of it, you know, has has um, a lot of microbes have uh, overtaken your, your scalp. Yeah. yeah, it's like someone told me, I tell the story all the time, that if you can see cockroaches in your house during the day, that means that wherever they are occupying in your house, their population is becoming overrun. These ones that you're seeing during the day don't have a place to hide because usually they don't come out until it's nighttime. So they will all, you then start seeing them during the day, just know that your house is overrun with them somewhere in some corner. So you don't start seeing the microbes, the green things and all of that until the mixture is overrun. And then it starts smelling in some cases. You know, mm. so imagine taking that thing, which is really just now gunk, it's rubbish, and you are every day spraying it on your precious scalp. You're calling on dermatitis. You're calling on an itchy scalp. And it's something that one should absolutely, absolutely never, ever do. Ever. Ever, ever do. So thank you for letting me discuss <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going to go here, but I love talking about this because lots of people a lot of people um, make this mistake. And when I first talked about it on Instagram, uh, people came back to say, oh my goodness, is that why that thing is smelling? And then a few months later, oh, this changed my, my hair story. My hair is no longer itchy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important advice, to have these yeah. discussions. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the best advice is spray your water in your hair, use your conditioner, and then use your oil if you want to do the LCO or LOC method, whichever one works for you. But right. don't put them all in one bottle, then standing somewhere. No, that's very wrong. I think that's very good and very useful information. And unfortunately, I think that I've taken a lot of your time. And if we go any longer, this podcast will become too long for anybody to even listen to it. We'll just probably just open it and go like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not spending over an hour listening to this. And I don't want people to miss out on the juice. But I think we have learned a lot. And I think before I wrap up, there was a story I said I was going to say about my, my experience with um, sulfates yeah. specifically that I forgot to mention after we, we when we're talking about that. So when I started Lockitude, I was obsessed in... Um, in in using only natural products. And my wow. understanding of this was that if it wasn't natural, like 100% natural, I want to be able to um, know everything that goes in, know that it is coming into my head, it's raw natural state, and that should be the best state. And um, so I got this um, black soap shampoo, which wow. was heavily... Um, moisturizing let me put it that way there were so many oils that were infused 
which I believe will be nice and supple to your skin. Um, so, but we were using it as a shampoo because the black soap itself, the black soap, uh, black soap was also advertised not only as a shampoo, but you can use it for your skin. So I kind of said, you know, I bought a whole tub and immediately I started to notice that I would wash my client's hair and their hair would not be clean. Like literally all the gunk will come to the surface, but it would not fall out. So you would wash this hair and then you just see that there's oil floating at the top of the hair, but you can't rinse it out. You can squeeze it. When you squeeze it, you actually have a paste of congealed oil. It was the most irritating thing. (laughs) And I was just like, why am I getting this wrong? So I had to do some more research. And this was at least in 2015. I realized at that point that chemicals, in the way we 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 kind of identify them as chemicals because everything is a chemical, but like chemical products that were so um criticized and cancelled were very useful. So as a matter yeah. of fact, if you come to the salon because you already have locked hair, we usually start from a point of clarifying. Because if you've not washed right. your hair in a month, the chances are that you have acquired dust and all yeah. sorts of things in your hair. So you need to clarify it. So we always, always, always start with a clarifying shampoo. And that means that in most cases, they, they contain um, sulfates. And I would say when you're using this product, the issue is make sure you balance, like you said in the, in the, in the beginning, make sure you condition your hair, make sure that you're rinsing out the products properly from your hair, because that's another issue. So people would shampoo their hair and not rinse it out all the way, or use a conditioner and not rinse it out all the way. But it's important to like, you know, use products the way the manufacturer has, you know, explained that you should use them. I think this conversation has been um, almost all encompassing. I'm sure I'm going to, to, to drop the call and say, oh, I should have asked her this. Oh, I should have asked her that. But we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about, you know, paraben sulfate. Um, we've talked about how there are no miracle products, how you have to change your hair practices for you to actually see any benefits in whatever product that you are really using. Um, We also established that we don't really know what's going on in the big departments. So so we should leave that. And uh, more importantly, that hair care is personalized. So you can, it's a good place to start from people who have similar conditions with your hair and right. um, see if you can find products that work for you, but you have to pay attention. And then in terms right. of allergy, if you know you are sensitive, try um, as much as possible to do like a patch test. Even the color um, companies and the packed um, um, color boxes kind of tell you to do a patch test before you use the product, just to make sure that yeah. you forestall any allergies. And yeah. I think the last thing is, please, Stop mixing your own products. You might be doing yourself more damage than good. You might be calling on that itchy scalp, that flaky scalp might be your own doing. So let's leave the product manufacturing for the experts. And if you want to become a product manufacturer, then you might as well invest in becoming an expert. That is the way to do it. So, yeah. So, Natural Nigerian, I think this has been. A fantastic conversation. I completely enjoyed it. I hope people listen because it's packed with a lot of information. And so before I let you go, can you please tell us where we can find you on the internet? Oh, naturalnigerian.com. And we are, I think, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, 
majorly Instagram with natural Nigerian. And I just started getting into TikTok. I love watching them. I think it's a lot of uh, drama getting <laughs> up. <laughs> but we might be active there soon as well. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm considering. I, I opened an account to save the name. Locked it like years ago, but I've, I've not even signed back on. I don't even have the app. And I think I'm just showing my age. So... all right then thank you so much natural nigeria this was such a pleasure thank you for having me Adi. i really enjoyed this all right then oh wow that was a conversation and we have if you've gotten to this point, I want to say a very big kudos to you. Um, I'm sure the conversation has been worth your while as well. Just like I said in my recap towards the end of speaking to Natural Nigerian, I'd like to highlight some of the important things I got from our conversation again. Um, when you use products without changing your hair care practices to good hair care practices, you may achieve little or no results. So products are not everything. You have to take care of yourself take care of your hair properly as well. Secondly, don't knock off all chemical-based products um, off your list. Everything is literally a chemical and some of these chemical-based products are actually good in nourishing our hair and making our hair healthy and giving us the best version that there can be of our hair. Well, more importantly, in a bit to protect your hair with protective styling, do not forget your hair itself. Your real natural hair benefits the most from the products that you use and the care and attention, not your wigs or the braids. So always protect your hair by having the mentality to take it to look, take care and look after your own hair. And the lastly, the biggest thing that stands out is the water and oil thing. So stop mixing your oils and water in one container and leaving it there because you may just be growing bacteria that definitely will be doing your hair a lot more harm than good. This has really been an awesome conversation and thanks a lot again to Natural Nigeria for giving us this time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Talking Locks with Locks with podcast. It has been such a pleasure being your host. My name again is Adi Balogu and many thanks to our producer, Savage Media. To listen to previously published seasons and upcoming episodes in the Media Expert series, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are currently on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and Deezer podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and our RSS feed. We are the Talking Logs podcast. Also, please don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Locitude, L-O-C-I-T-U-D-E. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until our next episode, don't forget to keep it locked in an attitude. Bye.